With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Read about the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by Russellville.com, The Pro Wrestling Vault, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained, Carl Anderson, the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harris, and Killian Hall. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Barrett Brown, Ricky Morton, Wardell Walker, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 400 photos from the independent scene. Get your book today by going to Russellville.com. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives. PWC Podcast with Rick Del Santo. For all your wrestling reviews, interviews, and news, Rick covers the United Wrestling Network, the NWA, and the Northeast region of the United States Independence. PWC, 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 keeps you in the zone. This is Big Mama here, and you are listening to Wrestleville Podcast. Listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest today is Big Mama, professional wrestler of 16 years from Cincinnati, Ohio, and the Northern Wrestling Federation Wrestling Promotion. How are you doing today, Big Mama? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Tell my listeners uh, who you are and how long you've been wrestling and, and a little bit about your path. It has been, oh my gosh, that's an insane journey, which all professional wrestlers probably say that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, 16 years ago um, in July, I walked into this tiny little hole in the wall. Don't ever tell my trainer I said that. (laughs) Um, Called Bone Crushers National Pro Wrestling Training Center. I've been going to their live shows for several months during the summer. I was home for college and. for break and I I fell in love with it. Like it just it was such an a intense attraction getting to see it that close versus when you go to the larger shows and it's 400 yards away. So just such a different feeling. And I signed up for their fantasy camp and yeah, that's all she wrote, guys. <laughs> I signed up literally that night. <laughs> I was ready to go. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of independent wrestling shows right the smaller the smaller venues um you, you know the they're up close and personal it's just such a it's such an intimate setting and it's just yeah like it's like even bone crushers so bone crushers version where i started uh we're now at a different facility um like it literally it 
we we could have 50 people, 75 if you didn't ask the fire marshal. <laughs> uh, and literally, I mean, people were literally six feet away from you. And that was like my first match experience of them just right there. And it's, it's totally different. And yeah. And, and they, the school's phenomenal. Um, three nights a week training. Uh, we now do two uh, plus additional extra shows at this point. Um, but when I started, it was three nights a week. Um, on top of that with your full-time job and everything else that you're doing in college at that point for me. There were no girls. It was just me. Um, there was one other woman that um, she didn't train actively at the time. Um, she was a veteran at that point. Uh, but she, um, it was just me and the boys, basically. <laughs> just getting the tar beat out of me and, and learning the ins and outs. And it actually, it took two years, like I said, um, to finally get in the ring for a match. Uh, mainly because we didn't have any other women. So it was just back in 06 and 08, a totally different mindset than what women's wrestling is today. When, when you were there in 2006, 2007, 2008, when, when you started, I guess, wrestling regularly, how long did it take for other women to come in uh, to your school where you were at? Was, was it, um, you know, a slow trickle or did, did other women who came to the shows uh, say, wow, they finally got a woman. <laughs> so that was, I got that, oh my gosh, that reaction was definitely the key. Oh, wait, what? They have a female wrestler? <laughs> yes, yes, they do exist. Thank you. <laughs> I don't just work in the concession stand. <laughs> um, but it was, it, it was slow. We really didn't get any other women, I would say, until I was probably, oh gosh, probably five or six years in. And we got a good group of about four, I think, that at that point, and then they all left again, <laughs> and then we completely rebuilt again. And just in the meantime, it was it was me and Cindy, and that was that was it. Like it was just par for the course. That, but I will say, I think the thing that I got to experience, unlike a good chunk of our boys on our our training and rosters, I because of that situation got to travel so much more. Cause I had to, if I wanted to wrestle and I wanted ring time, we had to go to other shows because there's only so many times you want to see big mama versus Cindy on one show. So it prepared me more, I think for women, the women's revolution evolution than I think other women had necessarily been prepared only because a lot of them will just still throw them in the ring with the guys on their shows every week. Whereas I did get the experience of traveling, being on the road and having to navigate like the money end of it and all that, those kind of things that not everybody gets to experience and, and really have to learn and how to finesse that. So it, it was hard. Like there were definitely answers. I'm like, man, I just want to be back in my bed. But at the same time, that's part, you just love it. So you, that's part of the reason why you love wrestling and you fall fall for it. Like yeah. the road trips are what makes it fun. <laughs> right. Eating eating the can of tuna and a Snickers so you can come back with some pay is, oh is, a, is a good time, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we get a hotel every once in a while. <laughs> I do distinctly remember Cindy uh, loves animals. Uh, so like she even lives on a farm now. 
So, and I remember one of the trips, we actually splurged and got McDonald's on the way back. And I ended up having to give up my 10 piece nuggets to this dog that we found on the side of a road because we weren't going to leave the dog starving. And I'm just amazed the dog didn't end up in the car with us and back at one of our houses is what I was more amazed about. Cause yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> her and her animals. Oh goodness. Women have been a uh, part of wrestling. I've had the opportunity to speak to uh, Susan Green and Casey Lalani Kai. And uh, you know, those women were in wrestling in the sixties and in the seventies. And um, what do you think the reason why, because if I look at professional wrestling today, I would almost say that, you know, women are, women are on the same playing field today. Yeah. 100%, 100. What, what do you think? What do you think that was big mama that, that it, that it changed like that? I mean, like I said, women have been around, right. For ever and ever. Yeah. But they, yeah. But not, not always treated the same, right? And not always maybe embraced by the wrestling fans, you think? Oh, absolutely. I Because of the carnival roots with wrestling, it was so much more, I think, they were the spectacle or the special attraction, the bearded lady or the strong woman, that type of thing. But that attitude, I don't feel like, change necessarily and and i think the thing that blows my mind is i'll go back and i'll find whatever footage i can i mean obviously a little harder with older matches but like you see june byers and you see susan green those women were killing each other in some of these matches i i just happened to catch it was a 90s match uh but it was asha kong and um minami toyota um, in Japan and like I look at it and I see guys matches and I'm like you guys went last two minutes with her <laughs> oh my god so it's for so long I think they had to do so much extra to prove that yes we can actually wrestle with the boys even though there was a whole handful that was better than the boys that, that were on the card but because such of that stereotype was the hot oil cat fights and the mud wrestling and the special attraction we just had to do that much more to overcome it. Um, and I definitely, I, I, there, I mean, there's obviously social movements and everything else. I definitely think in the last 10 years, it's definitely been that push for women to be more at the forefront and sports equality and all of those social movements. I, I really think women being fed up with the two minutes on the card, combining with all of that is kind of what set it, set it off. Because the women were always going hard, but they only had three minutes versus an eight-minute match where they could do more and, and put on and put on more of a show. So it's uh it's been a crazy, crazy 16 years in just the evolution of wrestling just since I've started. Like it I, I tell my girls now, actually, uh which I, which it makes me feel very old when I do it now. <laughs> I'm always like, oh now I'm that old lady. Oh god. But we'll, uh, I literally, I look at them and I go, if you guys would have had, or came in when I started with the opportunities we have now, like I could actually probably be making some serious money at this point, but now I'm older. <laughs> right. 
Right. Yeah. And also, too, because you you are a little older, you you can look back and say, oh, okay, I won't do it this way. You know, yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You just gain a little more, you know, you get a little more wisdom. Well, that we hope as we get older, we we hope that we attain some of that. But that's okay. (laughs) So um, I want to share something. I went to uh, a Mission Pro show uh, last year and uh, put a table out there with my books. And uh, my wife is not a wrestling fan whatsoever. And uh, since I was going to San Antonio, uh, you know, she wanted she wanted to go we picked a um a little camping uh site little koa out there that we like that we'll go out there and she wanted to go for that and go see some of the little historic towns that are in that area and we did all that and so you know i did what all that stuff with her and then she went to the wrestling match with me from time to time i would look over and see see a smile you know from ear to ear and um you're familiar with uh rochelle chanel oh my gosh well my my wife still asks about her and thunder rosa and but that night uh rochelle came out to the ring and you know she's um i guess very dressed well to do she's a what i would call like a girly girly you know a (laughs) very uh uh, fashionable and she came out there with uh the designer purse and and when she got in the ring and, and when my wife saw her she I, I don't know what my wife thought she was coming to see but she was like <laughs> wasn't wasn't coming to see that and my wife lost it when Rochelle pulled a comb out of her purse and started combing the referee's hair it was just it was funny and <laughs> You know, it's like it's that stuff in wrestling that you almost kind of don't expect. But when it comes, it's like it always comes at the I guess at the the right time. You know, there's there's all kinds of different wrestling. And, you know, you've got your hardcore, you've got your death match, you get your your comedic spots and stuff. But that that was what that was. Talk a little bit about what you know about Mission Pro and and uh, your thoughts on on that promotion. I have to say it was honestly probably one of the best experiences I've had as far as traveling and especially with an all women's event. Um, I've done some stuff uh, with Rise and Shimmer, but this like the culture that they've created with women's wrestling and how they take care of the talent and like they literally they they have additional seminars set up for helping women. be be smart about their money that they're making in the wrestling business and being smart about how you're portraying yourself online and how to promote yourself like they are covering from a to z in professional wrestling and then on top of that like just the culture of when we came in uh to do a tag match is my the forces of nature uh myself and riley matthews we came in and like, this literally was Russell house and I've never experienced it. And it was probably going to be one of my favorite stories by the time my career is over. Cause like you get picked up at the airport at 1 AM from flying in that night and you're sitting in this house and it's literally just like this giant Airbnb that is just mattresses everywhere. You just find a place and it's just a huge sisterhood. You chill out, you meet people and then you get to wrestle and like kick ass the next day. 
And it's just the culture that they've created again, like they're, they are true to their mission and they, they make sure that that's in there. Like they're, it's phenomenal. And they always do a great show. All of the women work so hard. Like it's 10 out of 10 stars recommend. Like if you are in that area, please go check them out. Cause they're amazing. Yeah. And, and Rosa puts on, on some good shows and, you know, she's really in the, you know, last, what is it? Eight or nine years that she's been doing this almost a decade. I mean, um, she's definitely grown like a, a weed from her earlier oh performances. She's really uh, embraced this, this industry and really has, um, I really think that she's what her contributions to wrestling are, are making the sport better. Well, like, and I think there there's people you'll see it where they'll just say, Oh yeah, I want to make wrestling better. And I want to make women's wrestling better. But she doesn't just say it. Like she actually freaking means it. Like if you have questions, she will literally tear a match apart moment by moment for you to help you. And so that you learn and you grow and you get better. And like, like, I think she genuinely has a passion to ensure that women's wrestling is in a good place. And I don't say that about very many people, but she 100% is on that list. Right, right. And then she brings in a lot of talented other women that are talented, have years of experience. Yes. Have, I'm sure if you have the opportunity to pull one of them to the side, you know, you can oh. get an earful too, right? That was one of the best things about being at that event. I was able to literally just go to so many people on that card and just say, hey, can you please give me some feedback? What can I do better? Look at like, and I was able to get just so much raw critique on that, that I'm not able to always get on outside shows that it, yeah, it, the experience was just 100% invaluable. Like I cannot replicate that. Going back to the Northern Wrestling Federation, what is your role? Not not only are you a wrestler, but what what are, what is your role in the company as well? So, so the official title is um, Women's Revolution Division General Manager. Um, I I playfully call it uh, Roger Ruffin's Lackey because <laughs> I pretty much am. I, I'm making sure that our women have everything that they need. Um, so I'm kind of the go between. So I structure all the bookings, anything of that nature. Oh, hey, am I needed on this date? Things like that. Uh, but I've also, um, I did have my have my little kiddo a couple of years ago. So that actually kind of enabled me to move a little bit more into that role a little more heavily since I couldn't be in ring. Um, and I started doing some agenting and producing during that period. So I helped the women get their matches together um, as far as like things that they think they want to try to like do better and be more athletic and things like that. But I also, uh, we do run and all women's training as well as separate from our men, just to have that space. Wrestling fundamentally is the same. There are very key things that when you don't have a female trainer, I literally, there are things that I came into the business where I was like, Oh, that's wrestling like a girl. Oh, I, I had no idea. I've been in the ring with guys for the last two years. <laughs> um, so it's being able to kind of bring that piece in for the, for those women, trying to help them learn the things that, because they do have the opportunity where we do have shows every weekend uh, to be used very, way more frequently than I did when I started. Uh, but trying to 
get them out on the road and get them traveling and use my connections that I do have um, to get them out on the road with me and on their own. So the whole evolution of, of that kind of process with NWF has just been mind blowing, I think to me, because it's not something I think I would have ever envisioned myself doing. And now I, I couldn't live without it as far like it's, I love the group of women that I am with and I heard a phrase uh, that, that iron sharpens iron and every single one of these women brings something special and different to the table and just the ability to just play off each other has been amazing. Amazing. So Big Mama, in May of this past year, you had an all women's show called Revolution Rising. How did that go? It was, I, it was incredible. Like there's, first of all, just, just the, the whole process. I, I see my husband week in and week out promote his own events and I see the stress and everything else that goes with it. Um, this was my first endeavor and booking, promoting, like everything was my, it was my baby. Like it was from point A to point B, find your own building, find that like everything I was with my husband to be able to see it go from, oh my God, how the heck am I going to get all this together? <laughs> Where am I going to find a building? Um, all of those things. See, there there was a moment uh, where I was actually, I had been so busy during the day that I really didn't get to even see the crowd. Um, and I went out for my match on the card and I was just, you were standing there and it was just like, it was literally packed to the freaking gills. And like just that that one moment of like oh wait I gotta catch myself I'm I'm in a match of like dude I I freaking did this and these girls rocked it out like it was Matt the top of the car to the end of the car the crowd the crowd was just hot they were into it um, we literally had so it was in Cincinnati Ohio at the VFW Hall uh, for Elmwood Place and we literally had fans that came in from Wisconsin. Um, from Chicago, which is about a four-hour drive, um, from New York, and I believe we actually have one friend from Florida as well. And that just it was it was pretty freaking incredible because ninety uh, percent of that card, those matches, were our homegrown talent with literally just a couple of other names coming in, and. Yeah, they they absolutely 100% delivered. Um, it was it was an incredible experience. Uh, we will definitely be doing it again. They're like, oh, let's do it next month. No, no, it's just a little too much stress for that. <laughs> but uh, like just the whole the whole thing, and they were so supportive as far as like the girls jumped in with, hey, I need you to go put these flyers up. Hey, I need you, and they were they were all on board and. And I got to wrestle someone who was my own size, so that was nice. <laughs> we both got the throw down a little bit on that. So it was uh it was not I don't want to say a once in a lifetime experience just because I know full well that we will one hundred percent be doing it again. But it was definitely a special experience as far as getting that experience of putting together your own show. Oh, I bet. What I think is so unique about the Northern Wrestling promotion is that you have your people, you know, I mean, like, like you said, uh, you might bring in somebody. I mean, I know that, uh, you, you know, 
Carl Anderson's come in there. Well, he trained there, right? And and yeah. a monster abyss has come in there. You know, Jordan Clearwater. But these are guys are like alumni from the school. So yeah. You're you're not bringing in like guys from the NWA or guys from Impact or Ring of Honor. You're, I mean, you have your team of people from the area from where you guys do business. Um, it's very unique because what I what I think is so neat about it is that you're actually building like a I don't know almost like. I I kind of say territory, but you're 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 having your own homegrown people, right? And yeah. you're and you're making it with these people that come to your school, live in your area. Now they've got to be what I would say somewhat celebrities in that area, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, just like you said, the the thing that kind of makes it unique, like even when I travel, I see a little. They'll be bringing on an outside show. They'll be bringing in a bunch of uh, bigger names. And the thing is, week in, week out, every single week, we have, it's our homegrown talent. These are the girls and guys that literally came in from day one and have been with us, or they had trained somewhere, and then they come train with us, and then they stay with us. Um, And it's, we literally have a following that comes town to town for wherever show we're at for the weekend and they're following our stuff and they're making sure they're at every single show. And it's like one of the great, I remember I've, I worked in social work for a while. I, uh, I have now gotten out to retail <laughs> a little bit less stressful. I know that's crazy to say, <laughs> but uh, I remember so clearly I got in to interview a family and this girl comes running down the steps big mama you're my case manager and I'm like oh boy oh I don't know if this is good or bad <laughs> and I just was like she's like oh so so you wrestle yeah I I promise I won't beat your family up I'm sorry like it's and it's great though because like we'll hear so many stories from all of our boys and our girls they're so similar where it's like yeah I was out at the mall and guy started screaming my wrestling name all the way across the mall so like it's it's really cool it's a fun experience to be able to be at that level like when we've had some interactions as far as um, some of the larger radio promotions and things like that uh, when we had our show at Bogart so I think that really helped too Um, so yeah it's it's awesome I love it I was going down the Twitter rabbit hole the other day and uh looking for guests on my for my podcast and was reaching out to different wrestlers and i came across somebody and i can't even tell you who it was but i came across a wrestler and i started going through his page and i came across lord crew yes oh my gosh (laughs) and i was like i know this guy he is crazy (laughs) he chugs can of chili cans of chili for the Bengals season like that's a real thing that really did happen uh I have video evidence I witnessed that <laughs> yeah dude he's awesome he's definitely starting to get out there and get some eyes on him he is uh he's putting the miles on the road he's busting his butt and he's he has got the look and the drive that he could 100% I think get the right connections and and go yeah I think it's really neat when when that happens for me is when I'm you know, I'm kind of looking for for something else. And then I'll come across him 
And I knew where he came from. I know he's Northern Wrestling Federation. And so um, I zoned in on that. And I just thought, wow, you know, I could tell that from what I was reading online, I could tell he's making some traction, you know. And, yes. you know, as as you know, traction doesn't come fast in professional wrestling. No, it does not. I, I honestly, I feel like I've had more traction the last two years of my career than I did the first 14, which is insane. But that's, it's all about the right time, the right place and the right people. And that's, that's what you have to keep doing and keep grinding. I mean, it is not quick. What, what would your advice be to someone who's starting out in the business or even somebody who's been in it for five years or a decade, who's coming to you is like, Hey, big mama. I think I've had it past my eyeballs on this one, you know? <laughs> um, make sure you have a separate social media presence. Do not have people attached to your personal page. Don't say, don't say dumb stuff on any of your social media. Do not talk about politics, religion, you know, all those X, Y, Z. Don't do it. Sounds like a great idea initially, and then just don't do it. Get in the car. I think that's like the number one. Because you learn so much, even just sitting in a locker room and observing and hearing and uh the the way that Roger phrases it it's, it's so very Roger <laughs> shut your mouth open your ears listen and learn and I mean that yeah that's it because yes you learn when you're in the ring and you're flying and you're going but you're gonna learn more from everybody else's experience we, you could be talking about something that went horribly wrong in the ring, but you're going to learn what they didn't know at the moment to fix in the future. Right. I mean, it's well, and I even remember um, we had one girl, um, unfortunately break her leg in the middle of training. Like she slid and like, she didn't even cry. I just like, she was tough as nails, man. She she'll kill you for the record. <laughs> uh, she was scary. So I was always afraid to wrestle her because, yeah, she's tough as nails. But she, every single day while she was recovering, was at every single training, taking notes. She had a whole notebook and was asking questions and really digging in on, like, the finer, fine-tuned stuff. She could have easily just sat at home and not been at training because she's recuperating. But, like, that, that effort to do those kind of things and show up to those shows and set up the chairs and set up everything that goes along with that. Get in the car, go do it because that's, that's where you're going to learn. Right. By that, being a part of, right. That and email everybody 10 times. Right. <laughs> Just keep sending the email. They'll eventually answer you. I swear. Yeah. I, 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 I say that and I've been working on one for like 14 months and I still haven't gotten an answer. So so I have, I have a tattoo. Um, I have, I have multiple tattoos, but one of my favorite ones I have, uh, it literally, it's the three P's. Um, I stole it from Glee. <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> um, but it was, um, passion, the three P's passion, persistence, and patience. And I mean, that's, that's pretty much anything in life, but wrestling, especially because if you're not passionate, then get the hell out the door. Just, just go because you're going to walk through the motions and the fans aren't going to get anything. The locker room's not going to get what they need. So you have to be passionate and want to be there. Persistence, you're going to get 5,000 more no's to your one yes 
So you just have to keep doing it. You have to have the thick skin. You just got to keep going. And the patience, because again, <laughs> 5,000 no's, one yes. Yes. You know, and, and that's one thing I have to keep in mind too. You know, for me, um, even with what I do, um, you know, I am reaching out to people who, who have busy lives and who, who are all over the place or doing a lot of traveling, trying to juggle things too. Um, but, you know, everybody in, you know, I believe that everybody want, you know, has a story and everybody has, you know, uh, you know, I, I like to give everybody an opportunity to do that. I, I can't tell you for the last six years that I've been doing this, you know, some of the, the people that have come across in professional wrestling and some of the stories that they, they've told me, absolutely amazing. And that's why I think it's so important to to share. Not every, you know, not every wrestler wants to get on, you know, a podcast and 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 I and I understand that. But you know, again, for those wrestlers who are out there listening, just say no and and I will pack up my <laughs> my my thumbs and move to the next person. <laughs> Big Mama, tell me where the Northern Wrestling Federation is located and how long have you guys been in business? So we are located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, technically, our school, Boat Crushers National Pro Wrestling Training Center, is located in Elmwood Place, which is about 15 minutes north of Cincinnati downtown. Um, we have been in business for 27 years, um, since 1995, um, since Roger Ruffin took it over. It was open a few years prior to that, but that's when it officially was incorporated and everything of that nature. And we do hold weekly events um, either at our training facility um, or throughout the tri-state, um, Harrison, Indiana, we've run before, Wilmington, Ohio. So those are towns that we have not run in some time, but we're working towards again. Fairfield, Ohio, Covington, Kentucky, Elmwood Place, VFW, uh, Ludlow, Kentucky. Those are all our big towns that we do hit throughout the months. So for almost 27 years in the business, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's that's impressive for any business, right? But for a wrestling business, I'm that's that's long term. What do you think the success is in that? I think it it really comes from the homegrown talent because you can so easily fall into the trap of, okay, I'm gonna bring in this bigger name to get the bigger crowd. Uh, but then you're at that budget expense of how much is really going to come back into the pockets. And we focus so much on ensuring that we have that base of people. So there's less of that need. And because the people are local celebrities in a way, we're, we have our own traveling fan base. And they we, we call them the NWF Army. <laughs> Um, and they are, they are loyal to the core. I mean, they are there. They know all of our wrestlers. They discuss all everything going on with the wrestlers on Facebook and Twitter. And I mean, they, they are loyal to the bone when it comes to the NWF. So I, I really think it's making a culture of homegrown talent that want to give back to their community and the community wants to invest in them. And it's paid off. And I, Roger Ruffin has done just such an incredible job of tapping into that market 
And when we needed to expand, he expanded. When we needed to roll back, like when COVID and everything happened, making sure making great business decisions on that end. And it's been a really, really long process. But I mean, I'm, I can't even say how proud I am just to have been a part of it for what I have been. Yeah, it's definitely ha had to be a very interesting journey. And to see, you know, just the success, right? Y you know, we were talking a little bit ago, you know, sometimes things don't happen as, as, as fast as we would like them to do when we're, we're trying to achieve something. But when you look over, right, the, the, the big picture of the Northern Wrestling Federation. Wow. It's, there have definitely been some moments. Oh my gosh. I still remember and it, on a large scale. I mean, I guess it, it was a big deal to us. I don't know how other people would necessarily view it. But I, we were running uh, Shimmer's Ballroom in Fort Wright, Kentucky. It was, it was February. It was winter. There was a gigantic freaking snowstorm. And we have a show. And we, I, I literally can only think of like two shows that have ever been canceled in the period that I've ever been with this company. <laughs> like we don't, we don't just cancel that for no reason. And I remember <laughs> looking at Roger Ruff and just going, all right, we're still going to have this show. And it's like a level three snow warning. Um, we get there, we get everything set up. And I'll be damned if we didn't have a packed freaking ballroom of like, I think it was 300 some odd people in the middle of the snowstorm in Fort Wright, Kentucky. And, and as, as Roger says all the time, he goes, if you book the right stuff, they're going to be here. And it's like, it was just such a moment of like, well, we're doing something right. So let's keep on doing it. <laughs> right. So Big Mama, you and I met about, I think about a year ago when I reached out to Roger and I'm working on a writing project. As you know, I've written a couple books, one of them being uh, Russellville, the Pro Wrestling Vault Volume 1. And I was working on a follow-up of that. And I reached out to your promotion because I wanted to include the Northern Wrestling Federation promotion inside that book. And I reached out to you both and we started talking. I interviewed Roger and we talked uh, for a few hours and got his story. Um, what's your impression of of just that whole meeting and, and, the, and the idea and what were what were you both thinking when when I first reached out to you? So we were just super pumped just because any type of a platform is, is great. And I, as you said, it is a kind of a unique setup with us for us to be able to share that was just, it's, it's awesome. And I, we were so excited to see that and print and then living color. Like it's something we've, we've been super pumped about. And <laughs> I know Roger was so excited. He's just like, I just got to talk wrestling and I got to talk older wrestling and current wrestling. Like he was, Anytime he can have a conversation that doesn't involve like 2000s on wrestling, he's excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no problem getting him talk, you know, talking about the the guys he works with or, you know, his story and uh, the promotion and how the school operated. I found it very interesting. I think readers are going to be intrigued by this story i think they're gonna it starts off with with roger being a young boy and how he was just so fascinated with professional wrestling and you know here here's someone who 
just knew at a very young age as that's what I'm going to do. And his, his path kind of did go in a different direction, but boy, where he ended up, how amazing is that? You know? And I think, I think a lot of people will get a lot out of the story. I think uh, a lot of people will be intrigued by some of the wrestlers who have passed through the doors of bone crushers. Right. And I think, uh, people will be really amazed with just the longevity of the company. It's just such a unique circumstance. I, I, I literally can only think of a handful of places that have had, has had that longevity and Rogers, just simple passion to give back to professional wrestling. I, I think is one of the key figures for how that's happened because he literally, just as you said, from, the time he was a kid on that's that's what was happening and his parents supported that full go i mean i don't know if he told you this but he definitely had a ring in his backyard so he was a backyard wrestler but don't tell him i said that <laughs> i i won't <laughs> but when, like uh, they were that supportive of just making sure that whatever he was gonna be passionate about and, and the thing is he instills that in the school and in the students and everybody who comes through that door, I can truly say, I don't think I've ever met anybody who loves wrestling more than that man. Well, the book is called Russellville, the pro wrestling vault volume two. I am planning to have it out before the end of 2022. So anyway, uh, that is, that is coming out. I am excited for that. We'll definitely bring Roger back when that book comes out, we'll bring Roger on, but I wanted to go ahead and announce that. Uh, so your listeners know that it's coming. I, I haven't introduced it on the air. I usually don't like, uh, announcing my books that don't come out, but this thing is, I'm pretty sure this thing is coming out. <laughs> It is it is going to be printed within, I would say, uh, definitely within this month. So. All right. And we are recording this in October. If it doesn't get played in October, it is. <laughs> it's October of 2022, guys. <laughs> so, Big Mama, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate all your help that you helped me with. Um, all the times that we sat down and went through pictures, we literally went through photo albums over the yeah. uh, over Zoom. It was it worked out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, you, you know that the guy with the black hair, that guy. You know, Who's that guy? Or the bushy hair? You know, yes. we have to determine. It. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, and we will uh, be talking to you soon. You can come back anytime. Thank you. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Read about the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by Russellville.com, the, the Pro, Pro Wrestling Fault, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained Carl Anderson, Anderson the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harrison, Jillian Hall. Plus 45 other short stories, including Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Kamala, Thunder Rosa, Mario Mancini, Scott Casey, PJ Black, Kerry Morton, Sal Renaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Colby Carino, Bam Bam Malone, and many others. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives.